You ever feel like your life is missing something? Like you feel unfulfilled. You're, you're looking for something, but you don't really even really know what's missing. And so we don't know how to find it, right? Well, in this episode, we're gonna look for the answer in the story of Jesus and some crazy demons. And by the time we're done, I think you'll discover the answer you're looking for and how to find it. So let's talk about it together. Now, I'm a pastor, not a psychologist, but from what I've seen of, you know, just studying the human condition, deep down, to feel full and, and fulfilled and to feel human, humans really need, like, I think three things. Humans need people, peace, and purpose. See, we need relationships. We need to be known for who we really are. Like, not who we were, not what our past is, not what other people think about us, but who we are deep down. And then when we are known, we need to know that we are loved and accepted. And we also need peace, both within us and without us. We need to quiet the turmoil and the chaos in our minds and the, the, the chaos that's outside of us. And we, we need purpose. We need to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning, to know that we matter, to know that what we are doing makes a difference. And when those three things, people, peace, and purpose, are, are aligned and, and we have them, we thrive as humans. We, we find fulfillment in life. We find what life is really about. But sadly, unfortunately, it's rare to have all three of those things in a, in a nice, healthy balance. And it really seems like the more we try to search for them, the more we try to find them, the more we try to force them, the more desperate we get. In fact, our quest to satisfy our deepest needs often leads us down destructive paths. Like, think about it. We desperately want to be known. So we jump from unfulfilling relationship to unfulfilling relationship. We, we learn how to manipulate others to kind of make them feel bad for us and get their concern and their attention. Uh, we become self-absorbed, right? Concerned about what we're getting instead of what we're giving out. And so we feel unknown and hurt, and so we lash out or we act defensively. I mean, we see all these things just like in our social media interactions. Uh, we, we want peace, and, and we want to quiet the chaos within and without. And, you know, so we feel like we should do better and, and be better and, and be more and do more. And so we feel this anxiety and this guilt and this shame. And so we either self-medicate or we try to distract ourselves with with hobbies and entertainment and maybe searching after like different types of pleasure and that type of thing and we fight with people and we we cut them out of our out, out of our lives because they're they're not the peace we're we're looking for and we want to find purpose in our lives so we strive to get ahead no matter what no matter who we leave behind no matter who we step on to get there and we confuse success with purpose we, we make as much noise and, as, and stay as busy as possible in order to feel important. We end up working ourselves to death. We, we think more is the answer, but that really only leads to empty purposelessness. And we look around, right, at others, and we, they seem to have whatever it is we're looking for. I mean, especially their social media accounts make it seem like they have whatever it is we're looking for. And so we might not know what it is, but they have it. And so we try to live vicariously through them while at the same time still being jealous of their life in some way. And the more we try to satisfy these needs, 
the further they seem to slip away, like trying to chase after a fog. So is there anything that can bring true fulfillment, that can drink, bring true happiness, that can bring us true peace? Yes, there's good news. See, Jesus is the opposite of those things. Jesus heals our brokenness by satisfying our deepest needs. Maybe that sounds like a nice churchy soundbite, right? But give me a few more minutes and I'll show you that it's so much better. And whether you're a Jesus follower or not, if you've stayed with me this long, it might just be what we talk about might just be what you're looking for, what you've been looking for this whole time. And so we find it in what we call the book of Mark. Mark was an ancient writer who was a, a friend of the apostle Peter. And what he did, he took Peter's memories of his time with Jesus and wrote them down in one concise story that we call the book of Mark. And in this book, he has just told us a story of, a crazy story of Jesus calming a storm with his words. And if that seems hard to believe, Mark kind of takes it a step further with this story about demons. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. Put yourself in the disciples' sandals. They're, they're on the boat. They just saw Jesus calm. They're about to drown. Then Jesus calms the storm with his words. And now they finally land and this demon-possessed man comes running at him out of the tombs. And they, they land in this Gentile, Gentile area where, you know, good Jewish teenagers, they've never stepped foot in. And now they're getting hit by this, this demon. Like, you ever wonder what kind of dreams the disciples had as they, their lives went on, like as they had these flashbacks of their time with Jesus? It must have been insane. Now, if you've been following with us in the, in the story of Jesus, we've talked about demons before. And I know... The whole demon spiritual world thing can, for a lot of people, can be hard to believe. And I, I get that. But the biblical writings and Jesus make it pretty clear that there's a difference between mental illness and demon possession. It makes it clear there's another reality behind the reality that we can sense and see. And not everything in that reality is friendly. And this poor man that comes running out of the tombs, as we'll see, is experiencing some of the worst of that spiritual reality. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. I mean, just think about it. This, this man is miserable. He's isolated. He's alone. He has no people. He's chased them all away. He can't even probably have a coherent conversation with somebody. He's surrounded by death. He's been abused, right? It says that he's been put in chains constantly, not how you should treat a human being. And he's tormented within and without by others and by himself. He's self-destructive. He has no future. He has no purpose. He has no peace. Like he's barely living. He's barely human. He's been stripped of his humanity. He has no relationships. He has no peace. And he has no purpose. And I think whether we're willing to admit it or not, whether we're uh, willing to let anybody see it or not, we have a lot more in common with this man than, you know, we might know. We might not be demon-possessed, but we're isolated. We feel alone. We feel unknown. We feel unseen and unaccepted. unaccepted. And we might not live in tombs, but we're constantly surrounded by death, like the death of relationships and dreams and hopes and identity. We're surrounded by hate. We feel like we have no future. We feel like we have no purpose, no reason to really get up in the morning, same cycle over and over with kind of the, the same results. 
We feel like we're, we're chained to and stuck in like repetitive, self-destructive cycles. Maybe we feel tormented from, from without or maybe even within with um, guilt and, and anxiety. We can't find real, lasting peace. But something drove this man to Jesus. Or, or more likely, Jesus drew this man to himself. See, Jesus seeks out each person and heals our brokenness personally. I mean, think about it. If we, if we read back in the story, right, when Jesus says, hey, let's get in the boat and go across to the other side, why did Jesus tell his disciples in the first place that we're going to the other side? I mean, as we'll see, as we read the story, Jesus meets this man, does his stuff with him, and then immediately leaves again. So why did Jesus tell him to go across the lake? I think he left to go across the lake just to meet this man. He sought him out personally. And Think about it. Why would the demons allow the man to go to the one person who could help him? I don't think they had a choice. I mean, look how they react. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. And the demon's question there is interesting. Like, why are you interfering with me, Jesus? Why are you interfering with me? Like, do you ever feel like, I'm calling you a demon, but do you ever feel like Jesus is kind of interfering with your life? Like, just getting in the way of what, what you want to do and maybe what you want to think. But as we see here, Jesus does interfere. He uses his power to interfere with evil, stepping in and, and thwarting evil's plans. But his interference with evil is also an intervention. He is intervening, not interfering with this man, he's intervening for this man, rescuing him to heal his brokenness. Now you might feel like Jesus is interfering, but really he's intervening to save you from something. See, Jesus intervenes in our lives because he loves us. And we, what we see here in this, in this passage is a clear picture of two opposing spiritual forces meeting each other. And one is obviously incredibly more powerful than the other. And the demons know they're in trouble. They know like their party with this man is over. And Jesus can do whatever he wants with them. And notice, it's not just one demon here. It's, it's a legion. It's, it's an army of demons. See, not only can Jesus control nature with just his words, an army of demons cower when they encounter him, and they have to do whatever he says. Jesus is strong enough to handle anything we bring him. Now, unlike, as some people believe, uh, Jesus asking the demon's name, not like some magical formula in order to cast out the demon. No, it just shows us that there were many demons inside this man, not just one. So this army of demons begs Jesus not to send them to some distant place. And when we have Luke's account of the same story, it says they beg him not to send them to the abyss, meaning they, they know Jesus has ultimate authority and can do whatever he wants with them. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Now, I know, I, I get it, those poor pigs, right? But before we talk about that, first, let's get the big 
picture of what is happening here. Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God to earth, intervening on behalf of humanity. He's bringing God's light to heal our brokenness. And so in the darkness that has been holding humanity captive is faced with this true, powerful light, it has no choice but to fling itself into the chaos of the sea. And as these pigs jump into the sea, those watching, and in, in Mark's mind, his audience, those reading us, were forced to ask the question that Mark's been trying to get us to ask from the very beginning. Who is this man? Now, Mark doesn't show the same concern that for these pigs that us modern Westerners do, right? 2,000 pigs were killed to save one man. And whatever else we can say, here's, here's what we see. We can't deny that nothing is more important to Jesus than a person. And as we'll see at the end of Mark's account, Jesus proves that nothing's more important to him than people by sacrificing his own life to save all of humanity. But the pig herders don't know that. They just saw something amazing and terrifying. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. Now, the pig stampede was amazing on its own. Like, that's a miracle. But the big miracle is that this man was sitting there, clothed and, and sane. Jesus had intervened. He had restored this man's humanity. He had brought him, in essence, back to life. He gave him back his sanity, his identity, so he can now be known and have people with him. He can have relationships. He gave him peace. Like, the man's able to just simply sit there quietly, probably the first time in a very long time. And the crowd comes out to see the man. And instead of being happy that they no longer have to deal with this crazy guy in the tombs, they're afraid. And when they hear about the pigs, they beg Jesus to leave. Like, why? Why would you beg Jesus to leave? Maybe they're like, whoa, that, that's enough of Jesus. Like, that's too much Jesus. And what if he wants to, like, interfere more and mess up our life even more? Or maybe they, they cared more about the pigs and, and the money those pigs were supposed to bring in than they cared about the man. Either way, they beg Jesus to leave, and he obliges. Because why? Already, he already did what he came to do. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. And think about it, The man just was healed. And Jesus is about to leave. And he's like, No, don't, I, I want to go with you. Right? That makes sense. I want to go with you. And Jesus says, No. Doesn't that seem harsh? Doesn't that seem like, well, yeah, you need some help getting back into society? Come with me. I've got a group already, friends you can have. He says, no. Why? Because Jesus isn't done giving this man back his humanity, right? As we said, he's given him his identity. He can have people now. He can be around people and he can be known. He's given him peace. He's no longer tortured within and fighting with everyone who, who comes in, he comes into contact with. And now Jesus is giving him purpose. Jesus says, this thing that just happened, this isn't just about you and me and just you experiencing me and, and enjoying that. No, you've got to tell others and be a part of restoring of the others that I'm seeking out. When we are restored by Jesus, we are given a role in bringing that restoration to others. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. So the man fulfills his purpose. He tells everyone he can throughout the whole region of the ten towns what Jesus has done for him. 
and people are amazed. But, honestly, there's more if we read ahead. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Now, the last time Jesus was there, the people begged him to leave. Now, they're begging him to heal this man. Why? Because someone, someone had been walking around telling people that Jesus had intervened for him. Walking around telling people that he had legions of demons in him, and Jesus had spoken, and they left him. He'd been walking around telling people what Jesus could do, and the people had heard it. And now they bring a deaf man to Jesus and beg him to heal him. So, as we kind of finish up here, let me ask you a question. Which version of this man, if we're being honest, which version of this man do you identify with most? The uh, broken version or the restored version? What about your relationships? What about um, your peace? Do you have peace within and without? What about um, your purpose? Have you found and are you living out your God-given purpose of helping restore others? See, the question we really need to ask, the question I need to ask you if you've made it this far is, where do you need Jesus to intervene? Where do you need Jesus to intervene? Maybe you need him to intervene with your entire story. See, we are born into a broken humanity, but Jesus came to restore it one person at a time. We just have to let him. We have to admit that we can't fix the brokenness ourselves. We need to choose to trust him to heal us and choose to follow him as our king. And then he will intervene and he will heal us. And he will then cause us to grow, to become more and more who we were always created to be and to try and to find our true identity. Now, if you're ready to make that choice, I understand if you're not, you need some time, but if you are ready, then tell him. Just ask him. Say, Jesus, please come and intervene in my life and heal my brokenness. I choose to trust you to make me new and to be my king. Now, maybe you have at some point in your life. Maybe why you, you know you click this, but maybe you have pledged your allegiance to Jesus before, but something still needs his intervention. Maybe it's your people. Maybe there's brokenness in a relationship or in relationships. Maybe it's your peace that is broken. You, you have this overwhelming guilt and shame or anxiety or fear or anger. Maybe you haven't discovered or, or lived out your purpose yet. Ask him to come and intervene, to heal the broken relationships, to bring his peace into your mind and your heart, to give a clear picture of your role in his kingdom and the opportunity and the ability and the courage to carry it out. So this story is not some weird, but also kind of nice story of Jesus and demons. No, this story shows a deep truth of who Jesus is. He's God himself with power over every force in the cosmos who personally pursues us, who personally seeks us out, who personally intervenes in our lives to heal and restore us. The one who satisfies our deepest human needs. See, when we're experiencing the brokenness of humanity, it is Jesus who intervenes and calms the chaos and restores us in his love and power. We just have to let him. The more we invite Jesus to intervene, the more he heals our brokenness.
Thanks for watching this week's content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, thanks for joining us on this journey through Mark, the story of Jesus. Uh, there'll be lots of content for you available online, YouTube, and podcast. But also don't forget, we meet in person on Sundays at 4.30 in South Salem at 525 Idlewood Drive. So find out more on our website, yourcrosscreek.com. And we're just really glad to see you here online. Uh, send us your information via the welcome form. Say hello, uh, request a Bible, request prayer, or join a small group. Uh, it's all online there for you. And we'll see you next week.